Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Carly Simon once sang, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. Well, this podcast is probably not about you, but it's about somebody else. And we are talking about vanity, vanity numbers. How do numbers confuse our mission and how do they clarify our mission? That's our topic today. Welcome to The Scent Life. Hey, Keelan. Hey, Scott. What's happening? Oh, you know, we're uh, coming off the tail end of Global Missions Week Yeah, man, great it's week. Been, yeah, yeah, yeah. We think it's been a really good week. Uh, great conversations, lots of participation. It's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. It's always fun. You know, you have missionaries on campus, and our students get a chance to, you know, interact, talk to missionaries, which is really important. You know, you, sometimes you feel like God's calling you to missions. You feel like God wants you to do something. And you can't really imagine what it looks like. And so a conversation with missionaries, with those who are already doing the work, really helps us imagine, personalize the call. And so, uh, so yeah, get some cool things happening, Global Missions Week. Yeah, we sure did. So the way for, if, for the uninitiated, if you're sure. listening, you're not really sure well, what all we do at Global Missions Week here at Southeastern. Global Missions Week was for us, every year it is for us, one of the highlights of our school calendar. Uh, we've talked before on the podcast about the importance of celebrating the Great Commission mm-hmm. uh, in creating a sending culture. And that's one of the things we do with Global Missions Week. Uh, so we fill the week with activities. We have several, I, I don't know, there's probably 15, 20 missionaries mm-hmm. and church planters and people that come from all over the world, literally spend a week with us on campus. They're in our classes. Mm-hmm. They're speaking. They're lecturing. They're doing panels. We've got other events that we do throughout the course of the week. We have a big missions fair on the Tuesday and Thursday after mm-hmm. chapel. So there's Tons of things going on with Global Missions Week. I'll tell you, one of my highlights, though, yep. it's, it's kind of low-key, but it seems to be one of the things that I think is most significant. We've started doing a thing uh, on a couple of days during mm-hmm. the week. We just simply call coffee with a missionary. Okay. And what we offer to do for students, now that we've got all these missionaries on campus that are willing to talk to them, is we carve a whole day out of the schedule. Mm-hmm. And over in the student center, we tell students, if you'll just show up, we've armed all of those missionaries with a stack full of free coffee coupons nice. and you can get it, grab a free cup of coffee. If you will just sit down and talk to them and it's becomes a bit of an ask me anything. Mm-hmm. Like what, what are you interested in knowing about the life of a missionary, the work of a missionary, the context they find themselves in. Uh, and that winds up being a really neat experience. And yeah. I think it does a lot for people concerning their calling. Yeah. It kind of takes the great commission seminary. Every classroom is a great commission classroom down to a fine point and ask, what does it mean for me to be engaged in That's the Great That's exactly Commission? right. Uh, so, yeah, we really enjoy it. It's a good, good time. Good, Great week, great week. So today we're going to talk about statistics, numbers. You know, there's this age-old mantra, right? Uh, numbers never lie, but statistics do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and, you know, we, if, if, if our missionary enterprise is built on anything, it's built on statistics and numbers. So much of um, it is. So much you know, of it is. determining where we go and how we spend our dollars and what we do. And it goes all the way back to William Carey, right? It in does. his kind of his original sermon, you know, an inquiry where he just to the best of his ability laid out a census of the world and compared 
the number of Christians in a country to the number of Muslims in a country to the number of Hindus in a country as a motivating factor to get British Baptists to do something about the lostness of the world. So in many ways, the modern missionary movement was kicked off with statistics and has been maintained with statistics. But as you want to point out today, sometimes those statistics are less than helpful. In fact, sometimes actually undermine the things that we do. Yeah, that's exactly right. So this is not, at the beginning of this, let me go ahead and say this, this is not critiquing the use of numbers, right? right? Like, no, we need to do that. There there are reasons. They hold us accountable. They help motivate. There's a a number of reasons. Uh, And you bring up William Carey, and I think that's an excellent, excellent place to start with a conversation, right? So the whole inquiry, he lays out all those tables, he does all that, and the reason was to motivate people to action, right? And so we have this longstanding tradition of doing that. Uh, But if you've been listening to us, and you were listening to us last uh, season, you'll recall that we've talked a bit about foggy words, this idea of foggy words and how those words can, if we're not careful, they we sound like we're explaining something, but in reality, what we're doing is we're concealing the actual meaning, usually unintentionally, Mm -hmm. but it hurts as much as it helps sometimes, right? Yeah, it confuses things. And we can do the same thing with numbers, which is maybe a bit confusing Mm -hmm. because you think of numbers as being concrete. They're facts. They're the hard data, (laughs) right? But in reality, if we're not careful, the kinds of numbers we use, they conceal as much as they reveal, essentially. Yeah. So you've got a a, a very interesting quote here that you pull from uh, an article that's really dealing with the use of vanity numbers as it relates to the tech industry. Yeah, that's right. And there are probably some overlapping similarities to some of the statistics maybe we use in our mission conversation. Yeah, I think so. So the you, you threw out the word vanity, right? So vanity metrics. Let's hit that idea yep. just a bit. And then I'll read this this quote that I found about vanity metrics in the like Silicon Valley right. tech industry, the right. tech startup industry. So vanity metric, the idea is something that we are tracking, some number that we're tracking that makes it look like we're doing a really good job right. when in reality Maybe it doesn't tell us how good we're doing. So it sounds like a good number, but is it really indicative of how effective we are at something? And so this article is talking about the use of vanity metrics in the tech startup industry. So here's the the quote. Uh, I'll give you guys right quick. It says this, startups love to point to big growth numbers and the press loves to publish them. We are as guilty as anyone else in this regard. One million downloads, 10 million registered users, 200 million tweets per day. These growth metrics can often be signs of traction, which is why we report them. But just as often, they are not. Vanity metrics are things like, and this is, of course, talking about the tech industry, registered users, downloads, and raw page views. They're easily manipulated and do not necessarily correlate to the numbers that really matter. Now, that's, of course, talking about the tech industry. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening to this and you think about what we talk about on the show on a regular basis, I think we can start to see some correlation in sure. the way we deal with numbers sometimes in either missions overseas or missions here at home and church growth conversations, uh, whether that's new church starts or even local congregations and how they measure their own uh, work over time. Right. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, right? I mean, the, as we said earlier, we're nothing if not kind of thinking about numbers. And in many ways, those numbers drive dollars and strategies and where we send. 
But sometimes like these vanity metrics don't really measure the main thing. They kind of measure periphery things. That's exactly right. We can typically find a number that's headed in a positive direction. And we can focus on that number and say, see, look how great this number looks. And in doing so, actually distract ourselves from being clearly focused on what's at the center of the mission we've got right. in church uh, church work. Yep. So, what are some uh, what are some reasons you think that yep. this happens among you know church planters, missionaries, pastors? Obviously, we're Christians, right? So we're not inherently sure. dishonest. We don't. Yeah. We're not liars. In fact, the Bible says liars go to hell. So we don't want to be <laughs> that guy. That's right. So, what is it about our use of numbers that may be building, you know, these these false structures and may even borderline on yeah. dishonesty or deception? Uh, I mean, I'm sure we can come up with a bunch of reasons. There are two that come to mind for me real fast. Uh, one, and they're both noble reasons, sure. in fact. One, uh, if you are a leader in a congregation or you are a leader on a missionary team or you're a leader in general and you have a group of people that are engaged in a particular mission with you, there is that both need and mm-hmm. desire to excite and motivate those mm. who are a part of this team or a part of this congregation or part of this work with you, right? Sure. And so we know as pastors or as church leaders, if we want our church to dig into what we're doing, we want them to become more involved. We want them to really get out there and share about our church with others or share the gospel with others or whatever it is we're asking them to do, being able to demonstrate to them how what they're doing matters through numbers mm-hmm. is a it's a noble goal, but I think it's a pressure that we feel, right? We need to demonstrate that all the stuff that we're asking you to do is working and we want to motivate you and excite you. So there, there's one reason, I think. Uh, and the other one, I think it comes down to support. Mm. So much of our work is done either if you're a new church start or if you're an existing congregation, you feel the pressure to communicate that the dollars and the funds and all the support that is being given to your work are effective. Right. Uh, oftentimes, if you're in a, say, a church planting organization, or if you're like with the North American Mission Board or a state convention or something that's helping get your church off the ground as a new church start, they're going to want you to report back right. on numbers so that they can see that uh, you're actually headed in a positive direction and this is a good use of those cooperative resources we have. And so you have reports to turn in. Uh, and if you're your congregation, they, they give tithes and offerings to support the work that you're doing. And so that need to justify the use and stewardship of the resources we're given and get further resources, I think is a significant motivator for leaning into vanity metrics if we're not careful. Yeah, there's no question about it, right? It's that the, um, you know, the, the, the people that we're leading, you know, quite frankly, we live in a microwave society and mm-hmm. the missionary task is a slow cooker process, right? When the Great Commission is that you make disciples of all nations, discipleship is a lifelong process. We know that by our own personal experience, right? We didn't become microwave Christians, microwave, you know, disciples. We became who we are over a long process. At the same time, recruiting, mobilizing, keeping engaged, keeping people passionate for the work uh, because of the noise in our culture just requires this constant, hey, this is working. This is successful. Don't give up. And so because the main thing sometimes feels slow, then sometimes we're pointing to other types of statistics. That's exactly right. And so I think it's helpful for us maybe to consider 
uh, three or four or five of these different metrics that we would we would look at and can become vanity metrics. Okay. Now, on the front end, I'm not saying don't count some of these numbers. I'm right. not saying any use of them ever demonstrates that you're trying to lie to your... It's none of that. That's right. not what we're saying. Uh, but I do want to call people's attention to the fact that oftentimes we track numbers that we see other people tracking. Right. And if we're not careful about thinking through clearly what those numbers are actually indicating, we, we may not use them well and yeah. they keep us from seeing real issues in our strategy or our mission that that's, we need to address. So that's, that's the point. point in bringing this yep. up, right? It's an awareness thing yep. here. Not necessarily a harsh criticism of anybody you've ever seen have a growth number. Sure. Um, so that's that. Let's start then by, by looking at a few of these. Okay. I think the easiest one, the first one to pick on uh, is just static attendance numbers. Mm. Uh, so static attendance number, that's simply how many people attend your church. Mm. And uh, we it's probably the most common number that you hear people counting. Right. Um, you've been in local church yep. ministry. A couple of questions in after you meet a new pastor is, how many is your church running? Right. And it's typically this question is the one that they're asking, right? It's always the Monday morning question in a pastor gathering, right? That's how many did you exactly have yesterday? Right. How many were here yesterday? Yep. Uh, now, the reason I say it's static, we'll talk in a bit about church growth numbers okay. or a delta, like a change mm-hmm. over time, right? Uh, but this number is just that bald, this is how many people showed up. Now, the number could indicate church health, potentially. We're starting to see more people, or it's a big group of people that gathers to participate in our worship or the event or whatever we've got going on. But if we're honest with ourselves, there's not really much correlation Mm. between a large attendance number and church health. Mm -hmm. Those two things aren't necessarily correlated. Uh, And it's real easy to point that out just by turning to any number of uh, mega churches in the United States that really gather a crowd mm-hmm. that we would say clearly aren't demonstrating biblical health. Sure. I mean, we can point to some of those examples. Uh, I When I worked out in Houston, I, I can think of one church in particular that's a <laughs> really large example of a church that we would probably say isn't really leaning into a healthy and biblical understanding of what the church should be and do. Uh, But they could gather a crowd. But man, they could gather a crowd. That's exactly right. And they did in a stadium. And and so this number doesn't necessarily correlate to health. And I think we'll all cop to that pretty fast, right? Uh, So that's that one. And because of that, because that one's pretty easy to point out, people, I think, then say, well, well, let's maybe count church membership numbers instead. Not just attenders, but who's actually a member of the church here? Uh, That gets a little more narrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think there's something important about understanding who is in your membership and having uh, a membership understanding that matters. All good. And this number, in theory, at least for those of us who are evangelical, uh, particularly Baptist, we tie membership to conversion and baptism. That's right. Right. And so in order for somebody to have become a, a member, they in theory, have been saved and baptized. That's right, which is the step in the Great Commission. That's right. That's right. right. That's that make disciples step. Mm-hmm. And so you think, well, this one is uh, is really going to help us get closer to that understanding of the biblical mission that we've been given. Now, why is this one a vanity metric, though? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, a little better at pointing out where we're headed, a little more narrow. But still, I think there's a subsequent question we've got to ask to clarify this que- uh, this number. Where did these people come from? Mm-hmm. Did these people come from the fact that your church was making disciples Mm -hmm. or did these people show up because they were disgruntled at something going on at their last church? Yeah. Are they conversion growth or are they transfer growth? Now, not all transfer growth is bad, um, but if you're wanting to clearly indicate how well your church is making disciples, 
then this number doesn't get us all the way there because you've got to ask some follow-up questions about where the members of your church actually came from. Right. No, that's a great point. You know, it's, and that's where, again, keeping our eye on the mission and the calling becomes necessary, right? It's not just the people who are members. And, and as we've lived through COVID and there was a massive church turnover yes. during, uh, during COVID, now we're trying to figure out who's here, why they're here. And so church membership, again, may be one of these vanity metrics. It's not really showing us what we're doing well and maybe concealing what we're not doing right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So with this one, I think we've got some follow-up questions we've got to ask to clarify things. Uh, and that leads to the next number. So yep. the first two that we've talked about are static. They're okay. just a point in time. We can move, though, to some form of growth number. Okay. What does your attendance or your membership look like over a time frame? Uh, so that's change in membership. Is okay. it going up or going down? How fast is it going up? How fast is it going down? Year over year, month over That's month. That's right. Holiday so over holiday. You move from a static number to a dynamic number at that mm-hmm. point, one that is measuring a rate of change. Those numbers are uh, a lot harder to, to measure. you got to figure out how you're, you're mm-hmm. growing and percentages and stuff like that. And in theory, you think, well, no, this one, this one's the one that's going to really help us get to how many disciples we're making. And perhaps it does. Mm-hmm. But again, I think there's some follow-up questions in this one. It suffers from some of the same problems that the church member number suffers sure. from because you've got to answer that question still about where are these people coming from. Mm-hmm. The church that I'm a part of right now, great church, and I think we're doing a, a, a lot of great work, in fact, in our area. We're seeing some pretty significant growth, mm-hmm. and a lot of that, I think some of it can be attributed to what we're doing, but a lot of it is just demographics in our Good area point. right now. Yeah. Where we live here in the Raleigh area, particularly Wake Forest and and north of Raleigh, uh, the area is exploding mm. in growth. And when you consider the fact that, at least right now in the States, roughly three out of 10 Americans are going to say they need a church that they will go to once a month or so. Mm-hmm. That's sure. roughly around your number. Well, if your area is growing by ten or 15,000 people a year, you know, three, 3% of that. Three, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like 3,000. So if it's 30%, three out of 10, yeah, yeah, 30%. So three out of 10, that's 3,000 people mm. are now suddenly looking for a new church home in your area. And they just kind of start shopping around and right. looking. Again, not necessarily bad growth, but it doesn't tell us what we did in making new disciples. Yep. So we need to think through how we're using growth numbers yep. and make sure we're asking some of those follow-up questions about disciple making. Uh, and that brings us to the what I think is the last number we'd, we'd look at that's okay. pretty common one that people consider. That's baptism numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many people has your church baptized? Okay. Uh, now, we ask that question, say, on the ACP mm-hmm. and, uh, and in several other places. It's not an unfamiliar number to us. But I do think of the ones we've looked at, this one really starts getting us close-est to measuring whether or not we're making mm-hmm. disciples. Uh, because... How many people you've baptized in your church is going to be a better indicator of the work that you've done in sharing the gospel of those who've not yet heard or accepted, whether or not the people in your congregation are engaged Mm in uh, making disciples out there. Like, it's a better number at that. It still doesn't get us all the way there, though. Uh, And there are a couple of reasons for that. One— how did these people first hear the gospel? Yep. It's still a question. Yep. Uh, was it your, your people in your congregation faithfully sharing with them, or was it some other means? And then there's this other trend that I think we're seeing right now in baptism numbers in particular. A lot of our baptism numbers nowadays 
in a lot of churches are actually rebaptisms. Right. And if it's a rebaptism number, what is that indicating yeah. about whether or not we're out there making new disciples? Yeah, so which I think that's one of those yeah. baptisms was the legit one? Was right. it the first one? Because we've counting both of them. <laughs> and so which one was the legit uh, the legit baptism? So, Keelan, I think what we're getting at here is that the numbers, the types of statistics that we use mm-hmm. are not always measuring the main thing. That's right. They're measuring the periphery. Yes. And we can use those numbers either to for vanity metrics to pump ourselves up, mm-hmm. or at the same time, they can be very demotivating as well. Absolutely. I mean, the same metrics could be used as demotivating when a church is actually doing the right thing. Yeah. I've known some churches that really bragged about being small because they thought being really small right. was a good thing uh, because they were going deep, and you want to say, yeah, but you're not reaching people. So there's a whole lot of ways to get at it. So I think mm-hmm. the the point we want to make today is that these foggy numbers are these statistics that can lie. That They could be used deceptively for others, but probably more dramatic and more problematic is that they can be deceptive to us, the one who's leading the ministry, the That's church exactly planter, right. the missionary, the pastor, and we can be fooled into believing these metrics mean we're doing the right thing. So I think our challenge today to get beyond the foggy number is to ask the question, do these numbers actually measure what you're supposed to be doing, which is reaching people for Christ, discipling them, teaching them to obey all that he commanded, or are they measuring other things and they become an insulation to kind of not doing the right thing? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So consider your mission in clear terms. I think that's the thing that we need to think about. If, If what we're really after here is whether or not we've equipped the saints for the work of the ministry, and whether or not they are engaged in that great commission ministry that the church has been given. How are you measuring how effective your congregation is at making new disciples, how regularly they're doing evangelism, and how effective they are at teaching others to obey all that I've right. commanded, right? So what does it look like to have numbers that, that measure that? It's going to be different in different churches, but I think that's the thing that we need to do is clarify on that one. And then another point that I would say, kind of as we land the plane on the conversation, Let's figure out how, as best as possible, to be honest in the way we report. Good. To our congregation, to those that provide us support, uh, let's be honest. And if we tell our supporters, hey, man, we're planting that church in the middle of that city so that we can engage lostness, Mm -hmm. well, then let's report on how we're engaging lostness. Yeah. And see what we can do about making sure we're using integrity in the way we use these numbers. Great, great. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I hope it's been a help. I know numbers can be a confusing conversation, but we think it matters uh, the way that we deal with them. So thank you for listening to us today. If you have found this helpful and you think it would be beneficial, feel free to share this with others as well. Uh, If you've got questions about this, you can always reach us on our website, thecgcs.org, or you can email us at cgcs at sebts.edu. You can, of course, find us on Twitter and on the social media accounts. Uh, This podcast you can find everywhere uh, you look for your podcasts. Feel free to follow us. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, this is The Sentinel. Southeastern wants you to be equipped to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. That's why we offer our Master of Divinity degree, which provides rigorous biblical and theological training for your current and future ministries. Our Master of Divinity offers broad ministerial training while facilitating a deep engagement with the Bible. 
all within a textual community that focuses on spiritual formation and ministry preparation. Come be shaped as a Great Commission Christian and experience theological education to the fullest. Visit sebts.edu forward slash mdiv to learn more.